We're going back to Canada, where the moose aren't always the scariest creatures. This world is a strange one. Our northern neighbors are known to be kind folks, but if you had to put up with true scary stories like they do on a near daily basis, you wouldn't be so nice. The following are allegedly true accounts of scary encounters happening in Canada. So for now, stay clear of the border because new places always bring new dangers. Enjoy these allegedly true scary stories from Canada. Just so you know, I'm looking for scary Thanksgiving stories. If you have one, send it to me as soon as possible. You can send and read stories to your heart's delight at reddit.com slash r slash darkness prevails. Number one, I was stalked. Submitted by Matt C. I'm a junior in high school, living in the town of Alberta, Canada. I've been in a relationship with my boyfriend for five years now. My story starts this last April when I was walking home from my boyfriend's house. Usually here, we don't have any issues with creeps or assault or anything like that so I've never really been afraid of walking the 15 minutes to get home. It was around 10.20 p.m. at the time, and I'm jamming out to Kanye with one earbud in while texting my boyfriend, so I wasn't paying too much attention to my surroundings. I start passing by a semi-sketchy-looking neighborhood when some guy hollers at me. I'll also mention here that I'm easily angered, and I get into fights with people much bigger than me, I have a bit of a short fuse, and I hate it when people get into my business. But considering I stand at five foot six or so, this guy was intimidatingly big, at least a foot taller than me, and he had to weigh at least 75 pounds or more than I did. Anyway, I turned to the guy and asked him what was up. He just grins and begins to saunter over. He stood beneath a street lamp a few feet from me, now looking me up and down, making it very obvious. I made it clear I was uncomfortable with what he was doing, and from what I could tell, he enjoyed that I was uncomfortable. He took pleasure in it. He took a step closer, breaking the silence with, <laughs> you're very, very cute, to which I sneered, and disgusted, I turned away but instead of this creep getting mad or taking the hint, he just started to follow me, making comments about my figure, mostly my bottom. It really started to irritate me, and so after three or so minutes of him following me home, I spun around and just exploded. Screw off, I half shouted, baring teeth and trying to look bigger than I was, but I knew it wasn't working. This guy was huge compared to me. So me being a dumb and irrational teenager, I took aim at his groin with my foot before taking off running. I could hear him running after me, which drove me to go faster. I made a huge mistake when I jumped my back gate, not realizing what I'd done until I calmed down. Because then I knew I'd led him, I'd led this crazy person to my own home. And even though he didn't follow me into my backyard, I heard him laughing as he walked away. 
Immediately, I texted my boyfriend, but aside from telling him and everyone else I knew, there wasn't much else I could really do. Creepier yet, for the next few weeks, I would see the big man around my neighborhood, following me at a distance. He'd always be staring at me, licking his lips, and now that I look back on it, I know exactly what he was staring at. At one point, he stepped too close, and I had to get my father to come chase him off. It got so bad, he began to leave notes for me, notes with chocolates and flowers. This creep was obsessed with an underage boy. It wasn't until my boyfriend threatened him that he finally stopped, if only for a few weeks. After that, he picked up again where he left off, around mid-May of that year. The first time I saw him again after that was when I went to the pool with my boyfriend and he was beyond the fence eyeing me. I called security, asking them to do something, and luckily they chased the guy off. That was the last straw for my family. Finally, my father got the police to monitor him, and when they found him creeping up, they told him what would happen if he ever did it again. To be honest with you, I thought it'd finally end there, but later that same week, I got one last thing from him, which still makes me very afraid. A note was left at my boyfriend's, stating both of our personal information, our classes, even our grades in our classes, the names of our immediate family. There were also pictures, pictures of us all over town in the recent months. The worst of it was the handwritten part at the bottom. It read, I'll steal him from you one day. I haven't felt safe in a very long time. Number two, The Black Ghost, submitted by Isaiah. This story takes place back in September of 2001, when I was only 70 years old in a fairly large house in a place called Canning in Nova Scotia, Canada, I had a horrifying experience. At the time, I lived there with my parents and four siblings, two older brothers who were three and five years older than me, and two younger sisters, both a single year younger than me. The night that this encounter took place, my two older brothers and parents were in the living room on the first floor watching TV while my sisters and I were running around the house, playing with our toys like normal. Eventually, we got bored with the toys we had and decided to run upstairs to grab more. Our toys were located in a big cardboard box in a tiny room near our parents' bedroom. We called this room the Blue Room because it was entirely painted blue for some reason. It had been that way since my parents bought the house. To get to this blue room, you had to go up the stairs, through two of the bedrooms, and then a short hallway. We continued playing as we went upstairs, pretending to be afraid of the dark as we went along, turning on the lights as we moved from room to room. We reached the second room, turned on the light, and began to cross towards the blue room, when suddenly, in each and every one of us, there was an intense sense of dread it took hold of us, 
and we all froze at around the center of the room we were in. We peered into the darkness ahead when one of us noticed something was moving in the blue room. Sure enough, there was something darker than the darkness hovering above the toy box. Whatever it was, it was alive. It was shifting around in strange fluid motions. It looked like a thick smoke. We were too afraid to go any closer, but our curiosity kept us where we were. We began to whisper each other, confirming that we all saw it, asking each other what we thought it may be. Only a few seconds later, the thing began to float upwards above the toy box, black smoke trailing below it. It began to take on a vaguely human shape, like a very tall and thin person wearing a long robe or something. The sudden movement scared my sisters, and they began to plead with me to leave, but I, I was transfixed by it. My memory at this point begins to get really fuzzy, almost like a dream, but I can very vividly remember some bits and pieces, images of the black thing opening glowing red eyes and slowly bearing down on us. It must have been at least seven feet tall, but it was paper thin. It had a strange smoke-like appearance, as if the lightest breeze would cause it to swirl away and dissipate. I had no idea what to think of it at the time, but nowadays, now that I'm a lot older, I'd liken it to some kind of malevolent grim reaper. As soon as it began to move towards us, my sisters panicked and ran. Later, I would be told that they rushed to get my older brothers, who arrived minutes later with my sisters. My father was aggressive, arrogant, and abusive, so we didn't want to bother our parents with what was happening. At any rate, when my brothers came upstairs, the thing was gone without a trace, but I was still standing there as if in a trance, staring at the floor below me. I have no memory of what happened during the minutes that my sisters were gone. The last thing I can remember is staring up at that nightmarish creature looming above me, mere inches from my face. But in that moment, I was completely calm with no fear whatsoever. Then my memory cuts to my sibling shaking me awake and asking me if I was all right, asking me what had happened. At current day, only my oldest brother and mother still talk to me, but over the years, I've continued to ask about that night to confirm that I'm not, in fact, crazy, that it actually did happen, and the result is always the same bone-chilling answer. Yes, it did actually happen, and it was exactly how I remember it. Right up until my sisters moved away, they always told me they saw the same thing, and they had no idea what happened after they left me. That night, that nightmarish creature, and the inability to remember exactly what happened, it will forever haunt me. It still haunts me to this day. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, 
people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Number 3. The Fast Stalking Man Submitted by Jonathan I was a young kid living in the lower mainland of British Columbia, Canada. Before this event, I've never really experienced anything horrifying, not like this. It was a dark and extremely foggy night, and I was bored. I decided that I was going to give my friend Ryan a call to see if he wanted to hang out. He told me that he was bored too, and he said I could come over in about 15 minutes. So I asked my mother for a ride, and she had no problem with it. We hopped in her car, and we drove to my friend's house. It only took about two minutes. Once we arrived, I got out and ran to my friend's room. We just hung out, telling each other ghost stories for about an hour, as we usually like to do. But soon, we got bored of that as well. So we sat there for a moment, brainstorming of things we could do. We thought maybe we could go out for a walk around his street. Maybe we would see something scary to tell our friends at school. We'd done this before, but have never once seen anything out of the ordinary. It's the kind of thing where you don't actually think you're going to see something scary. So we went out, not even thinking twice about it. Little did I know how wrong that assumption was. We threw our shoes on and put on our jackets. We opened the door and stepped out. But for some reason, unlike any other night in my life, once we stepped outside, I was overwhelmed by a fear, a fear that I didn't recognize. Outside, it was crazy silent and foggy. You couldn't see more than 10 feet in front of you and it was like someone lowered the volume all the way down on everything. All I could hear was my breathing. We started walking down his street. Ryan seemed to be enjoying himself and talking, while I couldn't help but look around, scanning my surroundings for the cause of my unoriginated fear. I just couldn't understand why I was feeling that way. I was only ever scared of the dark after a horror movie and when all the lights were out, especially not when I was with my friend on a street we knew like the back of our hands. This was beyond strange for me and I just couldn't shake the way I felt. 
we suddenly rounded a corner, making our way through part of the loop that was his block, when suddenly we saw someone in the distance behind us. It seemed to be a person, a man in fact, judging from his build. He stood there motionless until suddenly we saw a faint glow coming from his mouth. He looked to be smoking a cigarette and his hair seemed to be slicked back and from his silhouette, he appeared to be wearing a long jacket. Right away, I had a very disturbing feeling about this man, a feeling that he was off. I couldn't see his eyes. Maybe it was the bad lighting and the fog, but it was the strangest feeling I'd ever had. I poked Ryan. I told him that I had a weird feeling about this. I told him we need to get on the other side of the road. Just let him pass by before we keep going. Maybe he felt the same, or maybe he didn't really mind crossing the road, but he agreed. We crossed the road without a problem and watched the man walk slowly up the road until he disappeared into the fog. Like that, it was over, or so I thought. We didn't really think anything of it, so we crossed back and continued walking. We walked for about two more minutes until another long road appeared on the left side. We walked by and saw the same man at the very end of the road, walking in the opposite direction. We wondered how we could see him from that distance because the fog was so bad. It was extremely strange because he was the only thing we could see from that distance. We couldn't even make out the ground or houses that were about 20 feet away but there he was about double the distance and his silhouette was clear. We waited for a moment, making sure that he wasn't coming towards us because I think we were both getting creeped out, but he seemed to be walking away. Even as he appeared to be about 100 meters down the road, we could still see him, but because he wasn't coming towards us, we weren't as worried anymore. To our right was a path that went off into the woods and came out where we had started walking all the way down the road. We both looked at each other, contemplating whether or not it'd be a good idea to go into the forest. I smiled and began to run down the path. The feeling of dread began to dissipate, and I chalked it up to something random. I felt so much adrenaline from running in the darkness and feeling a little scared. I ran faster than I ever ran before, we both ran until we saw the opening of the woods and we only stopped to catch our breaths. We were laughing at each other until we saw something, something confusing and terrifying. It was a man, a man with the same silhouette, a man with the glowing ember of a cigarette in his mouth. If I didn't know any better, it looked like the same guy. He was walking at an unnatural speed towards us from the opening of the trail. We had basically been running full speed since we saw him last time and he had been a good distance away from us then. How in the world did he catch up so fast? Now the trail had a fork where he could go out where the man was now or you could keep going down the trail. We both bolted down the path without hesitation. We ran and ran away from the man until we reached the end of it. Then we stopped, cautiously examining our surroundings, expecting him to emerge from anywhere and come at us again. We looked around until our eyes met 
and we both let out a sigh of relief. We began walking forward and soon emerged from the woods. We were both talking about how crazy that was. I soon realized that it wasn't over yet. I had a horrible feeling coming from behind me. I looked back and there he was, walking even faster than before towards us. Ryan took off running and not looking back, but I couldn't move for some reason. I thought maybe it's just another guy walking around like us, that he was following us by coincidence. That's what I assumed until he took off in a dead sprint and he was coming right at me. He was only about 10 feet away when I took off as well, as fast as I possibly could. My friend's house was just a block around the corner. I ran and jumped up his neighbor's fence and then jumped into his backyard. I then saw Ryan lying down there in the grass. I rushed over to him and got down next to him. We watched terrified through the cracks of the gate in his backyard, waiting to see if we'd see the strange man walking by. And there he was, walking by fast. He looked like he was looking for us, but even as close as he got, only a few feet from the fence, we could never see his face. Somehow, no matter how illuminated the rest of him got, his face was veiled in darkness. Maybe I was just afraid, or maybe it was something more, I'm not sure. To this day, that path behind his house freaks me out, and I avoid it whenever possible. I don't know if he was human, or if he was something else, but all in all, he was 100% terrifying. Number four, Stranger at the Ball Field, submitted by Michael B. This story happened two years ago. Me and a few friends of mine had plans to go to the baseball field at night to sit on the bleachers and chat. We live in a town called Stephenville Crossing in Newfoundland, Canada. Me and my friends had texted each other to get ready. I was at Caitlin's house, my cousin, and our friend Ann was also with us. We texted our friends to meet up at the local canteen first, Carl's Canteen, where many of us would just buy candy and food. We began our walk to the canteen. It was about a 10 minute walk from Caitlin's, so when we got there, our friends had not made it yet. We went inside to grab a few of their signature brownies, after standing around for a few minutes, we saw our friends coming toward the canteen yelling for us. They told us they wanted to grab a bag of candy, so we waited for them outside. As we waited, a car pulled up to the canteen and a tall man wearing a suit, a blue tie, and a fedora got out of the car. Keep in mind that Stephenville Crossing does not have a large population, only about 1,200 people, so we're a town where everyone pretty much knows everyone else. So not only was this guy a sight to see, but he was a complete stranger to us. And the way he dressed was off, as no one in this town wears clothes like that. We just assumed he may have been on vacation from out of town. He looked at Caitlin and Rayanne, smirked, and then said, Hello, darlings, 
without so much as acknowledging me. And the way he said it sounded seductive. He walked into the store as our friends were walking out. One of them, Eric, had made a remark about the man's weird fedora, but we told him not to say anything too loud because of the creepy vibe the man put off. Halen, one of our friends and his girlfriend Haley, had bought a family-sized bag of chips to share, but Haley nabbed it from his hands for herself, so he didn't bother to stick by her and came over by me to chat. We proceeded to talk about our usual topics, comic books and the like, in which we would often debate over whether Batman or Spider-Man was better. We walked past our local bar, the Cozy Corner, which was on the way to the baseball field. Now the canteen was out of sight, and I hadn't even thought about the creepy man anymore. We met up with Amber and David, who had been walking together down the street. We wanted them to come to the baseball field with us. They thought it'd be a fun time and quickly accepted the offer. When we arrived at the baseball field, we saw some more friends in the bleachers, and even though we didn't invite them, we sat next to them anyway. Then we began to munch on our candy. As we sat there, we saw a car turning into the baseball field coming towards us. The field is next to a forest and large bushes, so sometimes people go into the woods to, you know, fool around, or maybe even some drug deals here and there. So it's not uncommon for this time of night for people to drive up to the baseball field with their girlfriend or boyfriend, or someone to drive up to hand off some drugs. Due to this being the usual thing, we were not very alarmed by the car pulling up, but once it got close enough, we realized that we recognized the car. It was the same car the creepy guy had been driving from the canteen. The friends we had met after the canteen did not know about this guy, so right away we told him about how creepy he had been and how he was particularly fond of Caitlin and Rayanne. David, being the craziest of the group, jumped off the bleachers and began yelling and making noises like a shrieking cat. The car then turned around and exited the baseball field. We kind of praised David for scaring off the creepy man, then laughed about how strange the man was and how crazy David was, then proceeded to make fun of his fedora. About an hour later, we decided to walk back to town, and instead of going toward the road, we decided to take the trail through the bushes. I stood by Halen. I was once again explaining why Batman was superior in our fun little debate. But that's when I heard David and Amber screaming. They were at the front of our group, and they were running back and telling us to run. We thought it was a joke, but when we looked, we saw a silhouette wearing a fedora running right towards us. We all ran back to the baseball field and decided to run into the woods, which may have seemed like a stupid idea, but we were familiar with the woods and had many hiding places there. And since it was night, it should be hard for him to see us. To my surprise, Brandon had messed himself. You could see the wet spot on his jeans, which made me think he wasn't very tough. But then again, our lives may have been on the line, so it was understandable. We decided to stay hidden for about half an hour, and then we all quietly left the forest, ran for the road, and stayed near the lit houses. 
We all hastily walked back to the main part of town, talking about the situation before going our separate ways to go home. Still, I couldn't help but think it was all funny, but apparently I missed something. Brandon, the one with the wet pants, told me why he had been so afraid. You see, Brandon had watched him cut himself in the face with a knife while he carried some sort of gun in his other hand. Now, if I'd seen that, I probably would have messed myself too. It would be a long time before any of us went back to that baseball field. And number five, what's downstairs? Submitted by Jared R. This took place in Southern Ontario in Canada, and it didn't happen too long ago. I live in a small suburban home in a pretty nice neighborhood. Nice neighbors, great area. Over the four years my family has lived there, nothing has ever happened here vaguely crime-like. It's a pretty tame place, so the fact that this happened here, it's nerve-wracking to say the very least. Before I get into the story, I have to explain a couple of things about my family and how my house is arranged. We have a black four-year-old cat named Gru, my older sister, my older brother, my dad and my mom and my grandma who lives in the basement. When you enter my house, there's a small entrance area with a mat with a small wall to the left separating this area from my dad's office. Beside the office is a small area with a bunch of cabinets and a large table. Opposite is the closet and the stairs leading upstairs to the basement, which directly above the closet and the stairs were two lights. Following down that hallway is the kitchen and the dining room on the left, with the laundry room and the living room to the left as well. Going downstairs is my grandma's area, and up the stairs to the left was my room, and adjacent that is my parents'. At the time, my mom and sister were off at a dance competition, so the house was very quiet, mainly because my brother, grandma, and dad usually kept to themselves. I woke up at about 5.14 after a really bad nightmare, something about being kidnapped. Now that I was awake, I couldn't go back to bed. I left my room fully alert, and I realized it was really dark out especially for the fact that the sun was meant to rise very soon. I was going to go around to see if anyone was awake, but then I heard something. Everything else was quiet except for this. There was a scratching sound coming from downstairs. I was right next to the stairs so I could tell it was coming from down there. And then there was a second thing. The staircase light was on, shining very brightly, and then there was a mumbling sound, like someone was talking to themselves. What in the world, I thought. Maybe it's just my mom. I caught sight of my cat sitting down at the top step, like he always does. I went into my dad's room, and he was sleeping soundly. I closed the door and hid in his room for a while. I would have gotten my flashlight, phone, wallet, and EpiPen. I have allergies, but the bag they were in was directly in the side of the kitchen. So I ended up just falling asleep after two hours of just crouching in the corner. 
I woke up at about 8.07 a.m. with the light pouring into the room through the curtains. Crap, I thought. I forgot to tell my dad what happened last night. I woke up my dad and told him what had happened, how I thought it was mom, but how I'm still a little nervous about it. He then told me that she wasn't meant to be home until this night, not last night. I stared at him with serious shock. If it wasn't her, then what was it? I swallowed hard, built up my courage, and said I was going to go check downstairs to see the situation. But when I went down there, there was nothing. The light I saw before was off. I went through every cupboard and fridge and there was nothing. I checked the last one and it looked like it had been ransacked. Food and other contents were spilled and toppled over. I checked every single window and door to see if they were locked. I even checked the closet, but everything else was as it should have been. I rummaged through my little bag and pulled out my flashlight. I interrogated everyone from my grandma to older brother. No one was even up at five other than me and grew. My grandma even had proof that she was only up at eight. Her kettle was cold where she makes tea, which she uses to wake up, and how she was groggy and tired. My dad said it might have just been my vivid nightmares that I've been having recently. It was true, I've been having quite a few of those lately. But the thing is, can you have two nightmares in the same night, at the same time, while you're apparently sleepwalking, only to wake up to see that something really did happen downstairs where both your nightmares took place. So what in the world was down there? What was in our house that was still inside? With everything being locked the way it was, there was no way it could have left. I'm scared that whatever it was is still in the house and I'm afraid what would have happened. I'm also afraid of what could have happened if I really did call out for my mom to the thing that was downstairs, it would have heard me. And then what would it have done? Whenever I have time, I'd love to vacation in Canada. I have no idea where, but it'd be fun to endure the cold and camp somewhere creepy. But apparently, after these stories, searching for creepy may not be the best idea because apparently, the creepy might find you sooner than you think. The creepy might come at you with a knife or claws that are perfect for cutting your flesh. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And remember, I'm looking for Thanksgiving horror stories as soon as possible. You can send your story today at reddit.com slash r slash darkness prevails. Thank you. Stay safe out there and stay creepy. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. 
As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.